Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Okay, welcome back. Yo, Mixed yo, yo. Company, episode 38. I think I got it right this time. Probably. You said probably? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, it sounded like a mumble. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't quite hear it. I didn't quite hear it, and it didn't even like show up as audible on the recording. Oh. <laughs> it was like a flat line. Anyway, you guys have got two thirds of the team here today. It's only Kai and Simeon. Um, shout out to Karina, girl. We feel you. She's working on deadlines, um, but she will be back for our next episode. Yep. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and we're going to try to keep it down to an hour. So, I guess we can get started with some dope shit. I don't even think we have ain't. There's lots of ain't shit, but I feel like our topic is ain't shit enough that we can actually just go ahead and start you off with some positivity. Is that fair? That's fair. I'm with it. All right. So, I want to, I kind of want to go first, um, with my dope shit actually no i'm lying you go first because i have to now find it again on my facebook Uh, my dope shit is pretty simple Uh, my dope shit for this episode is gq naming colin kaepernick uh the citizen of the year and putting him on their cover and having a really dope ass photo shoot that is uh reminiscent of a lot of black panther um, photography and Muhammad Ali photo shoots and quite frankly I, I think it's it's dope when especially now where according to certain people like the country is so divided um, so for them to sort of basically take a stand with their publication and put him on the cover and, and advocate for the message that he's putting out there that's my dope shit it is dope Colin Kaepernick is everything I just want everybody to know that he's literally everything. For you. (laughs) He's just everything. I mean, besides the fact that, all right, yeah, I'm low-key, like, fawning over this man right now. He is gorgeous, and he has fantastic thick Afro hair, and he's just built to perfection. However, beyond that, just I I can appreciate anybody that stands in their truth I mean, so I'm, if you know any other men that are like that, please send them my way. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think that's it's it's not only commendable, but it's it's what's needed for a movement to actually move. So you need people who aren't going to break a fold when you know what I'm saying they're facing basically millions of people um, talking down to them or, or trying to um, discount what they're what they're advocating for. So shout out to that. And also shout out to GQ for having this video of him getting his hair braided on their <laughs> website. Which, <laughs> I mean, I'm always here for peak black shit. <laughs> like, and to me, that that's, that's peak black shit. So, yeah, that's my dope shit for the week. Yeah. Um, yes, that is dope shit. Um, I think this is kind of dope shit. I don't necessarily... C- know if I agree with the execution. I just think it's interesting. It's, this is interesting shit that I'm about to share. Um, so, uh, a professional organization in Gwinnett County 
where is Gwinnett County? I have to find that for y'all. But in, in Gwinnett County, um, decided to put together, don't laugh, Simeon. They decided to put together a networking event um, that literally is called Come Meet a Black Person. And this is hosted by <laughs> the Urban Media Makers um, at Cornerstone in, in Lawrenceville. I would have showed up. Huh? I definitely would have showed up. I know you would have showed up. <laughs> I would have like, showed I up. I don't know how. I, I don't think it's wrong. Essentially, here, here's what it is, right? So the event was inspired by a study um, that was performed back in 2014 um, that found 75% of white people have few black friends or few friends that, th that are other than white. So the purpose of the event was to give people uh, in this town, in this city, um, the opportunity to, quite frankly, interact with people that don't look like them in an effort to spawn um, employment and diversity. I am here for the effort. I think that I would have needed to be at that event to feel comfortable with it. Um, but the reality is there are a lot of people, there are a lot of black people, there are a lot of white people, there are a lot of people in general of any ethnicity um, that have not interacted with people that don't look like them. And as an advocate for diversity and inclusion, and inclusion is specifically the inclusion part of diversifying environments, um, you gotta give people the opportunity to meet people like you so they recognize that you're not a unicorn. So in the depths of my heart, I hope that that is what they are looking to accomplish here. I wish they had a better title for this event. I, I like the title. Do you like the title, I Come Meet a Black Person? Because It, it doesn't it, give you zoo, because it kind of gave me zoo. No, because it, it reminds me of the, here are all the black people, where are all the black people. I think it's, it's very to the point. You know exactly what you're getting yourself into when you show up. Um, and in the realm of diversity and inclusion. This is in Georgia, by the way. Even better. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and in the, <laughs> in the okay. realm of diversity and inclusion, we all, I mean, we started the first episode with talking about being specific about what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And I think with the title, it's a call to action. You know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And I would have showed up in my girlfriends and all my black shit on because I think that they're... Just so we're clear, gold fronts don't define black people. They don't. <laughs> they don't. But they I, define I, West Indians <laughs> of a certain <laughs> decade, but they don't necessarily define all black people. But I would have showed up in all the things that make me happy. Right, so, and and I I, I applaud that effort. I'm, I I wasn't there, so I don't know how they executed it. Um, but I think I mean before we started recording, we were just talking about white people asking questions and not knowing how to approach it. To me, that's the environment where you would ask somebody a question because you're basically saying I've never had interactions with black people. I don't know much about your culture. I don't know much about your identity. So that's an environment where you can have like an open discussion and ask all the questions that if you ask somebody, a stranger on the street, or you ask somebody in the office, they're probably going to curse, curse you out or give you the side eye. That's an environment to me that would, that truly 
can foster inclusion and like you were saying make them have them view black people as not just unicorns or aliens that they've never encountered to me this conference it's or whatever that event was it's um it's about acting mm -hmm. like it's it's and to me that's like the the key word in activism is like are you getting people to act is there an action that's taking place and the simple fact of meeting someone I think that's that's a good first step for um, sparking inclusion in just society in general. Totally. All right. Well, that was dope shit. Um, I think we don't have any. Well, I guess we kind of do have feedback. I was gonna jump into like a commercial, not a commercial break, but like I want to give, <laughs> I want to use come, this as like come. like shout outs. Like I have, we have like two big shout outs that we just want to give out to some very deserving folks. Um, I guess we can just incorporate it in that. The first one is to Gary Nix. Gary, Ooh. thank you so much for um, giving us a shout out in your latest, um, well, I saw it on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn. your latest article LinkedIn. Um, on LinkedIn, um, basically talking about the demise of advertising. Um, you mentioned that, <laughs> Our conversation, your conversation with the team uh, and yourself uh, helped to inspire that. Um, if you guys have a chance to get onto LinkedIn or if you follow Gary Nix, a.k.a. Mr. I think it's underscore fly, Mr. McFly on Twitter. On LinkedIn? <laughs> no, that's not his LinkedIn. <laughs> that's not his LinkedIn. I was about but to <laughs> just just for that, right? No, I mean if you know you fly, you fly. Who who am, who am I to take that away from nope. you? I dig it. Um, but yeah, if you guys get a chance to follow Gary on any social network, make sure you take a look at his uh, latest article or. I don't know when whenever you decide to listen to this the article is called advertising in parentheses as we know it is dead um in the article he kind of talks uh, not kind of he actually talks about um different observations he's made uh over the years working in advertising and conversations that he's listened in on and how it affects uh diversity um mixed company gets a nice little shout out slash link within the article um, and also our big sis, Goddess Rivera, um, specifically talking about episode 28. So we will post this on the site. We will also post this on social media so everybody gets a chance to like, 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 like this article, comment, and share. That's the Word. first one. Shout out to him. Shout out to Gary. Um, second would be... We got some cousins. We got some like real ass podcast cousins. Come on, cousins. It's real. It's like, you know what it was like? And I feel like they'll appreciate this. When you're used to being like the only black person or if you're a woman, the only woman or the only person of color, the only, the only, if you're ever used to being the only in a work situation, and one day while you're walking into work, you notice a face that's not truly familiar, like you don't know them, but you, they look like you. So it's another black person in the office or it's another woman in the office and you're just excited because, oh my God, somebody else I can talk to about the shit that I go through. That's how, that's how I feel. So if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to 
um, this amazing podcast called Borrowed Interest. You absolutely need to do yourself the biggest favor right now um, after you finish listening to this episode, of course. But go ahead and get on Stitcher. Go ahead and get on iTunes. Go ahead and get on SoundCloud and search these amazing three young black women um, who are also discussing their experiences in advertising. Um, like I said, the podcast is called Borrowed Interest. Borrowed Interest is a podcast created by three millennials who are at the intersection of being brown, female, and working in advertising. Um, per their story on their Facebooks on their Facebook page, we are your water cooler convo crew and your workplace work bay woke bays. They serve it to you straight on the rocks, no chaser. Um, and they're just fucking dope. Like, right. they're just really dope. They're our cousins. Like, if they, they were are. here, we would be friends. If they were in New York, we would totally be friends. I mean, but she was in New York. Well, Leah was <laughs> in New York. So just to give an even deeper shout-out, because I feel like it's important to say their names, um, the podcast um, is hosted by Amalia Nicholson, Leah Jackson, <laughs> Jackson and Sharina Chandler all of whom are currently in Minneapolis, my old second home. Shout out to Space 150. Um, and they, I believe they post weekly. So if you guys have a chance, we'll also um, put their links on the website and on the social channels just so you guys know who we're talking about. Make sure make sure you guys give them a shout out, send them some comment, um, send them some uh, listener letters and just ask questions. Um, we need to get a mashup episode in here. Yeah, I'm with it. ASAP. And shout out to Leah. So Leah's the only one Timmy and I had a, a chance to meet so far. Yeah. Um, she was out here for the 3% conference. And girl, I just appreciate talking all the shit with you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you hearing me when I be whispering under my breath, talking <laughs> shit about people. I appreciate you chuckling. I appreciate you ch- jumping in. So for, for me, it's like, I know that my views can be a little bit radical. Um, yes. <laughs> so when I meet people, um, especially like other people of color, and I want to start, not necessarily start some shit, but I want to talk shit the same way that we talk about on, on the podcast, I usually kind of like tiptoe into that arena and see how they respond. And she just kind of was like, no, nah, actually, you could just run over here and we could just talk shit. Um, so shout out to her because... I, I fuck with anybody whose views align with my own. <laughs> Absolutely. So once again, the name of the podcast is Borrowed Interest. Make sure you guys take a listen when you get a chance and show them all the love. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, the fucking 3% conference was last week. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about this yet? We haven't talked about it yet. Oh. We posted the week that we went to the 3% conference. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so for those of you that are unaware of what the 3% Conference is, um, it is a movement, if you will, um, that was founded by Kat Gordon, who I have recently been referring to as KGTB. That's Kat Gordon, the boss. <laughs> I love that she loves it, but like I meant that with all my heart when I wrote it. Um, but essentially, uh, Kat and her colleagues essentially recognize it as women, um, women creatives, only 3% of women in the industry, uh, or 3% of creative directors 
um, were women in the advertising industry. Um, and through the platform, they worked to advocate on behalf of um, empowering women uh, and giving, quite honestly, making sure that they attained and the jobs uh, and accolades that they deserved um, as they, I guess, strive to earn them. So in, I guess, four years and five years, the conference or the number of women creative directors rose from 3% to 11%. Yes, you didn't know that. Wait, what's the 29%? Oh, it's 29% now. This year. They, they they said that this year it's twenty nine percent, and that's all levels of creative directors. Okay. But in the first few years of the of the movement, they were able to help affect the jump from three percent to eleven percent to now twenty nine percent, which was uh, unveiled at this year's three uh, percent conference. So Simeon and myself, as well as Orlando, um, we had the opportunity to go. And we should just kind of talk about it. Like, what was your experience? I'm going to definitely tell you my experience. Um, so I had um, a more uh, boiled down experience because I was just there for um, Cindy's um, keynote. Cindy Gallup, that Cindy is. Cindy Gallup. Oops, I'm calling her by her first name. Like I was going to say, everybody, <laughs> clearly everybody doesn't know her the way you know her, Simeon. <laughs> like, oh, shit, like real friends. Um, I was there for uh, Cindy Gallup's keynote and um the after party i i thought the keynote was um on point um i will say i didn't i guess the 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 theme for this year which was beyond gender kind of left it like really open i thought that she would have leaned more into um talking about race um but she folk and i mean we're gonna get into this later with with the topic um, but I thought it was like a really strong keynote where she was shouting out um, because last year she basically told everybody to basically be like, uh, fuck this, go start your own agency. So she shouted out a lot of the people who actually took her advice, which one of them was Miriam Gessus, who was, And the two others were Bethany Iverson yeah. and Aaron Farrell, who are um, definitely day one mixed company supporters. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really dope. I I would, thought it was dope how she like basically just laid out the steps for this is how you do it and this is how you do it and and um, do it right. Um, so I mean that was dope and it was just dope to kind of like have fellowship with you know all the people who were there as well. Yeah, I definitely had a good time while I was there. I was at the conference for both day, both days, um, and I wrote a piece actually about my experience, which will also post. Uh, on the site in case you haven't had a chance to read it yet. Shout out to Cindy Gallup for reposting it and oh, yeah. for Kat Gordon and Listen and everybody for A, reading my recap and B, uh, showing love to my recap by sharing it on Twitter. I appreciate it. But um, my recap was called My Two Cents on the 3% Conference uh, 2017. Um, and I just kind of posted my takeaways uh, from the event. The things I, A, I was just excited to see a lot of my colleagues uh, in the industry that I have known since I started out. So um, it was nice to see. It's always nice to see Tasha Gilroy there. Um, 
Felicia was there. It was great to see her. Um, Miriam was up on stage, you know, snatching snatching wigs and burning <laughs> edges. And uh, Goddess was on uh, as speaker, a guest speaker as well. Um, it was just a lot. Like, all the people that I needed to see in that moment with everything that's been happening and uh, my career lately, it was just really great to see everybody. Um, but I also love the fact that it wasn't one of the, like, I didn't, I didn't perceive it as one of those cookie cutter conferences and panels that I have been to in the past. Now, granted, I'm sure there were, however, maybe I just did a really good job of picking out what, what panels I was going to go to. Um, because the panels that I went to, the speakers I felt were keeping it real. Like some shit is just not all cookies and sunshines and rainbow. And like, sometimes you have to tell people they're not shit. Um, there was one track specifically that was called the Ambassadors track. And it was, uh, a lot of discussion around how men can be better partners, um, within the industry. Uh, and it was really important to just call out like, if you see something, say something as a man. And there were a lot of women that were telling it to men. There were also a lot of men that were acknowledging, yo, we suck. And like we as as a collective have to have to take steps to not only, you know, help empower women to to take charge, but also let them lead when they're clearly capable of leading. So that part was cool. Um, crowd participation. As a person of the African-American diaspora, I'm always here for call and response. Um, there were a lot of moments, there were quite a few moments uh, where audience or people within the audience were quite outspoken about either their um, disdain for what some panel speakers were saying or just calling out some real shit. So, for one, there there was, um, on day one, there was a young woman that uh, was responding to the notion that white people looking for people, of, are, are looking for people of color to answer their questions and educate people. And I know how I feel about it. I don't, I don't ever mind answering questions, but I do know for a lot of people it is draining. And for them, I say, self-care is what's up if you don't if it's draining to you don't do it but the audience one of the audience members stood up and she was just like listen you can't put all of the pressure on me to have to re-educate you about my culture my lifestyle etc um and I don't think many people say that out loud in front of a crowd of 500 people I don't think that that usually happens and I think that that was a strong moment I mean it was such a strong moment somebody texted me and asked me if I said it and I was like no that's not me <laughs> it's not it's actually not me I I was not the one that got up and said that um our new mix company uncle Derek Walker um hopefully you guys get a chance to hear from him sometime in 2018 but he dropped a whole mic on everybody during the conference when he brought up the fact that it's the disparity in making way for white women, but yet still when the conversation turns to uh, how to how to give, not, I don't want to say give black people jobs, but like why aren't black people, specifically black men at a certain 
level um, advancing within their career in advertising, it's not fair to tell us to just wait. So long story short, audience member gets up and asks, you know, what are you guys doing to um, to get new talent, to, or basically to, to teach younger people about the advertising industry? Because a lot of times, which is true, young people of color don't know advertising is um, a viable career. They don't even know that it is a career. And this but, is, it, I mean, it, it is true. Yes, but, but part of the reason is because of the lack of African-Americans in advertising. So Beyond that, went, that's what she was right. saying. That was her point. She wanted to know what these uh, agency leaders were doing to combat that. Um, after they answered, Derek kind of came in and was like, that's cute or whatever that you're talking about, bringing in interns. We all know that there's never a problem bringing in interns. What are you doing to, excuse me, increase the number of senior level um, black advertisers or create and creatives within your agencies? And of course, like knee jerk reaction, I'll just give it to them that way. But the knee jerk reaction is always, oh, there's not enough of you guys. We don't we don't see a lot of black creatives. And I think there was even a moment where one of the panelists mentioned, like, well, people don't want to move to Kansas. <laughs> and it was like, again, hey, we shouldn't ha- have to leave our homes to find these jobs that exist in our cities. And B, at the 3% conference, there were, like, bushels of gorgeous and smart and amazing black cr- women creative directors and like how do you look out to a sea of of diverse women and completely ignore that a large group of them are black and say that there's not enough of you i'm sure there were quite a few in the audience that probably wouldn't mind you taking their resume and calling them in for an info session to see if you like them they like you and see if something can come of it Um, and Derek wasn't having it and he kind of let them have it and was like, listen, you would never say that to a white woman. You always want to empower white women and it, which is true. Don't, don't say that about black creatives. I mean, it's, it's, it's legit. And I think it's, it's also, if we're looking at the 3% as a success story for diversity and inclusion, then you can see what happens when your intentions and your initiatives are focused because to go from, 3% Three percent mm-hmm. to uh, what's it? Twenty nine percent in five. In less, years. I, I say it's less than a in, decade, in, right? In less than, in less, right? In five years, that shows you what happens when you are focused and committed and committed. Yeah. And I think what Derek is base was was getting at is when it comes to black people, their efforts aren't as targeted. They're not as specific. They're not exactly. as focused. That's um, exactly what he's got. And I, and I think we're, we're in a space now where we can, we can get targeted. And I think that's what we're looking for. That's part of the reason why we do the show is we're trying to make sure that what you're doing isn't, you're not basing your diversity and inclusion initiatives off of a Google search. You should be basing them off of real life insights from people like us and our counterparts who are in the industry because to just keep focusing on getting high school students in here, you're going to burn them out, frustrate them, because if you're not solving for this problem, they're probably just going to leave too, just like everybody else who was in this industry before. Right. Basically pointing out that there's a, a bigger 
um, challenge that needs to be solved. Um, I also noted, or not even noted, I also gave a really big shout out to the founder of the 3% Conference, as I mentioned earlier, Kat Gordon, a.k.a. KGTB, Kat Gordon the Boss. If you read my piece, I pretty much... I pretty much go ahead and just let it be known. Like, I don't fuck with people that don't stand behind their words. Like, if you're going to say something, I also need you to do something. Um, and off the, backs, off the back of that very tense moment with Uncle Derek, um, <laughs> he saw Uncle Because we went out to dinner with Derek the we day did. before, and Derek was out here. He was out here giving, like, he was, it wasn't even tea. He was just going ahead and telling everybody business and, like, basically letting us know what the deal was in the industry because he's the OG and he'd been doing yeah. this for, like, 20-some-odd years. Um, but Cat Gordon came out on stage right after that um, while the team, their team was saying their thank yous. And let it be known, like, yeah, we have a lot to learn. And because we have a lot to learn, um, the 3% Conference was going to take the next step and formulate an initiative to do research around the experiences of people of color specifically and and, and I think pri uh, primarily black people and our experiences within the advertising industry um, I believe she was talking about the creativity and color initiative uh, so that to me was amazing because oftentimes what happens at these panels when someone does say something that is jarring and calls you out and puts you on the spot and could be taken as a you're not shit moment. She Instead of taking it in a negative way and trying to ignore that there's an issue, she and her team decided to say, you know what, we hear you. And I think what people, and we talked about it back in February when we went to the IPG event celebrating African-American women, I don't want to talk about anything anymore. Nope. We don't feel like speaking in circles about problems with no right. solutions anymore. What we want is what KGTB Action. did. All right, bet you have a problem. Cool. Let's go sit down and let's start putting a plan of action. We need strategy. Stimian talks about it all the time. We need to be approaching diversity like it's a business challenge. And when it's a business challenge, when we get a brief from the client, what's the first thing we do? We go through the discovery stage. We go through strategy. Um, and that is her first step. I Standing ovation in my head right now because I have the mic in my hand. But like I gave a standing ovation that night at the event. Um continue to talk about it. I continue to tell people about my experience at the 3% conference. I keep sharing it on LinkedIn if anyone hasn't seen it. Um, and just give them their props. Like, we don't need to talk about it. We know what's the problem. And we don't need people telling us to move to Kansas to make it better. Nope. We need people saying, okay, this is what I'm actually going to do to affect change so that Black people also can experience a growth in their numbers within leadership leadership positions within the advertising agency. So shout out to the 3% team, Kat Gordon, Listen Stromberg. Uh, shout out to Vanessa Reed, who I had the pleasure of meeting and sitting in uh, on a panel with. Um, shout out to Nancy Vaughn for all of her support uh, and working with the team here so that... Um, we could experience the 
uh, the, the, the conference, um, and just like, just really, really, really amazing, strong, um, and, and influential women. You guys rock. And to the rest of the team, y'all get all the thumbs up. Word. I'm with it. Yeah. We like them. We co-sign them. I mean, like, yeah, I'm here for anybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm down for anybody who is, is about getting, stopping the lip service. Like we're, this industry is too big too smart for us to keep talking in circles about a problem that we've been talking about for a damn near half a century um, with initiatives in place for the last 40 years. So I, I think we're, we're now at a stage where we're, we're past discovery. Like we should actually be in, in concepting stage right now um, to solve for this problem. So shout out to them for actually taking uh, a stand and acting on it because the numbers don't lie. They've been very effective with their initiative. Absolutely. So really happy to be a part of that experience this year and looking forward to all the great things that happen uh, 2018 and beyond. Um, we can slightly, oh, shout out to Cindy Gallup also. I know the bar, our borrowed interest folks were talking about her, but I actually had a chance to meet her and I completely fumbled all, over all of my words. Like they weren't coherent <laughs> because Cindy Gallup is a big deal. Like I know I walk around with an empty bag of fucks, but she really just doesn't have fucks. Like she really just wants people. Her, I think her LinkedIn quote is like, I like to blow shit up. Yeah, she's a, a Michael Bay of business. Bruh. She really likes to blow shit up. And, like, she was it. just doing that the whole conference. So, shout out to her. I know she gave us a couple retweets on Twitter. Um, that was fun. Um, part of what Cindy was talking about during the 3% conference, though, she focused a lot of her efforts on sexual harassment um, and essentially bro culture and how it affects uh, the advertising industry and quite frankly, any industry for the worst as you know, unless you've been hiding under a rock, which sometimes people do. So I won't judge you for it out loud. Um, but sexual inappropriate sexual, uh, interactions have been the topic of just about every pop culture and news cycle in the United States for, I'd say the last two and a half, three weeks. Yep. Maybe the last month. It might actually. Strong. I about to say it's it's shoot. It was so it was so bad. Like I was listening to CBS News this morning, and the first five stories were about sexual harassment. Um, and one of the things that Cindy Gallup was talking about essentially was, or yeah, was rape was rape culture. Um, and while I know we've spoken about harassment on this show before, I don't think we've actually gotten into the details of. No rape culture and the effects on it and how it can both it has quite frankly both blinded um, us for long periods of time to what sexual harassment really is um, but also shed light on what is wrong with our predominantly male uh, not even I'm not even going to go white yet but predominantly male industry um, I've talked about it on the show before. I started experiencing sexual harassment as soon as I started working with men. Um, once, once I started working, you know, in a job that was not primarily female, um, that's when I had to start being careful about whether or not I wore a skirt to work or 
how I stood when I was in a meeting or how I addressed certain men. So it's a it's a big deal. Um, one of the points that Cindy Gallup made during the 3% conference was that sexual harassment was the number or is the number one um, factor for um, that is, or what was it? I think it's the number one um, single issue that is destroying our industry. That's destroying our industry. I'm actually going to pull it up because we actually have it on our Instagram. But essentially she was saying that it's because of um, sexual harassment that we cannot achieve diversity. It's holding us back in many other um, in many other ways, and it's why we yeah why we can't move ahead within our industry. Um, she noted that a staggering 42% of all women employees across agencies reported that they have experienced sexual harassment at some point in their career in advertising. Um, that's huge, and I don't think we've actually talked about the stats of sexual harassment, around, about the parameters around sexual harassment until this year. Um, I know you, Simeon, you were saying that you felt you had thoughts behind her uh, assertion that sexual harassment is the biggest issue for women in advertising or is the single is the is the biggest issue in advertising. Yeah. Um, when she said it's it's the biggest. I was kind of like, eh, I don't I don't know, I like because there really isn't a way to quantify if it is. Um, is it a big issue? Yes, definitely. Um, but you know what? I, I, I get I get what she's saying because it's – I guess I was – when she made that com- comment, I was looking at it through the lens of the theme of the conference, which was beyond gender. Um, and to me, that was a very gender-specific um, statement. But in the days since that, she's also brought up men being harassed by gay men in in the industry so i mean if if, i don't i don't have a problem with the statement i was just looking at it through the lens of the theme of the conference which i thought was i i thought coming into that conference she was going to have a very explicit conversation or a keynote about race in the industry um so that kind of threw me off a little bit but i mean when i i can't discount that statement right because one, I'm not a woman, um, and two, for me to go against what she's saying is contributing to the problem. Whereas, like a woman is basically stating what her truth is, I can't say. Well, it's not the biggest issue because one, like right before we started this conference, before we started recording, I said, well, I don't think I've ever really seen or witnessed sexual harassment in advertising. So I can't even say, well, it isn't because if the number, if what's the percentage, 42? So um, if 42% Mm -hmm. of women in the industry are saying that they've been sexually harassed, then that is a big fucking problem because that's a big ass number. I also, I, so my first thing is that I thought 42% was a low number. I also felt, and I also felt that when when she said it at first, I was like, "Really? Is that the biggest issue?" But then I had to t- like 
again, I had to sit with it for a little bit because one of the things that I've been struggling with in this conversation about sexual harassment and um, rape culture is how much of it since childhood I have been conditioned to just deal with as normal, natural, uh, men will be men, boys will be boys attitude. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I... Just like you said, I at first was like, I don't know if sexual harassment is the biggest issue. And then I was like, well, quite honestly, for me, I've felt that I was judged for my gender more times than I have been judged for my race. And we know that I've talked about the countless times I've been judged for my race, but I could actually count on more fingers and toes the times that I have either felt um, either judged, harassed, uh, uncomfortable, or if anybody's ever made a, a comment about me being a woman. Right. So to your point about that number being low, it probably is. Because I if, think if, it it's, is. if we're fitting advertising into the context of society and rape culture, then one of the biggest known things about rape cult, about rape in general in this country is that it's the most underreported crime right. in this country. So that number is probably at 42% because those are the amount of women who've come forward, but the amount of women who've eaten it or quit or just said, fuck it, I'm not telling anybody, it's probably way higher. So that's probably why that number is low because there's a good percentage of women who are not reporting it or not talking about it mm -hmm. because again, like to your, your next point, which is if you've been conditioned to say, well, boys will be boys and men will be men, then you just kind of take it as, well, this is one of the, uh, what is it like the work hazards? Like, this right. Is a, this which is, is something quite that, honestly, it's a byproduct of, of being in the industry. For me, it was like, always considered a byproduct of being a woman that this is just what you deal with so like I never considered the severe the severity of it even though I had experience I have so many different experiences where like it was just either really uncomfortable or like uh, that wasn't right um I'll never forget uh Chris Rock Chris Rock yeah Chris Rock um, in one of his specials, it's got to be like 15 years old now. Bigger and blacker. Maybe. I think I think you know where <laughs> I'm headed with this. Not the one when he talks about how he should have a whole uh, Howard University building named after him because of all of the women. No, not that Message. <laughs> all the women he quote unquote slept with. But he also talks about, it's a backhanded way of talking about it. But he also talks about how like at the age of 13, that's when women start you know, receiving sexual advances from men. And I I'll never forget, like, the first time I heard him talking about that. And I was like, yeah, I was 13 the first time I felt gross about being a girl because some strange man pointed out something about my body part. And the crazy thing was I was actually with my mom and my aunt. So, like, I was in the care of adults, you, I actually you. was 12. I was 12. I was about to turn 13. But I was walking down the street with my mom and my aunt, and a man had commented about my, at the time, skinny-ass legs. 
Um, he didn't say they were skinny. He was just like, oh, he was like, yeah, girl, I like those legs or some bullshit like that. But I was with my mom and my aunt, and I was like, damn, that was the first time like I felt like, oh, my God, I'm not safe even with adults. Like, I'm no longer – I also felt like I wasn't a girl anymore, I, like a little girl anymore. Like, there, there are a few moments as a young lady when you – quite honestly, are yanked out of your childhood. And that was one of those moments for me where it was like, ugh, I feel weird. Oh, I wish I could go, like, cover up. Oh, I want to go hide. Um, and then getting into the workforce and having these internships and when I was working in, in entertainment and having the men say the disgusting things that they would say to me and, like, even most recently when that coworker told me that, you know, and I told him he was being sexist because he told me that we should go have a meeting in a small closet. And he was like, what do I expect? He's white, German, and he works in advertising. What the, the fuck do, what the fuck do you expect? Those were his words, y'all. Those were his words to me. And it's like, damn, I'm a grown-ass woman, and I still got to be out here checking motherfuckers because he wants to use his gender and his race and his position in this industry over me. Um, I think... To your point, what's going to be important in this conversation is that moving forward, we do need to discuss um, what it looks like. Because everybody doesn't, like sometimes people will say something to me and I might react naturally and I'm like, I don't realize it's inappropriate till down the line because I can tolerate a lot. And I'm also, I also don't think, I also don't, don't think that there's anything wrong with jokes. But I do feel like if the jokes make somebody feel uncomfortable, it's not a joke. Right. If the joke is is a power play to put you in your place, that's harassment. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm I've been looking at um, this issue um, personally for a minute, and one of the things that I'm realizing, and this is coming off of having other conversations with men who are also becoming more aware of sexual harassment is historically men have been trash right so we're just we're we're, we're just going to start there um and the reason why I'm saying it is because again to your point you're talking about being 12 um and feeling objectified and harassed by men. Um, a lot of dudes who are quote unquote raised right um, to quote unquote respect women, um, we weren't necessarily privy to a lot of that, right? So our, our I'm just even gonna take that off the table. If you are a man and you were raised anywhere in the world, you were socialized to be misogynistic and sexist. Like, that's just mm -hmm. the reality of, of the situation. And so why I was saying, like, I don't think I've ever, like, witnessed it is because I've never seen, and I guess to clarify that statement is, I've never seen overt sexual harassment in the office, which is, like, very explicit comments about um, a woman's body or... Um, or propositioning a woman for for sex of anything or anything in that nature. So I haven't seen it, and I think what what probably needs to 
happen and it's unfortunate is because you're basically asking women to relive their trauma because for some women it is traumatic um which is what does it even look like when it's right. when it's subtle because for me and just context so last week i went to um an event um that was basically thrown by a black man for a black man um and the theme was dismantling misogyny and sexism and society and for the most part most men who are focused on being a part of the solution all we know is the overt because and i and i guess it all depends on on where you, where or how you were socialized or raised because when we look at it i think of sexual harassment as like the dude on the street like basically not having a filter, like being very explicit about what it is that you want. Um, but we aren't really privy to what those uncomfortable nuanced moments um, are that women categorize as sexual harassment. Um, and so I think part of what unfortunately needs to happen is we need to be privy to what that is so that if it does happen, because part of Cindy, Cindy Gallup's call to action is that men need to address need to address it and call out other men when it's happening but if we're not understanding those nuanced things that make women feel uncomfortable then it's we're kind of like still on the sidelines and we can't address everything that's that's happening if we're if we don't even categorize it in our heads but as i feel like yes i think that's part of it i i want to go out on a ledge and say it's not as undercover as we're talking about right now. I don't think think it's under. I don't even think it's nuanced as, as nuanced as we're talking about. I think a lot of it is overt, but because to my point earlier, like we are just so used to it. Like we're you and I grew up in an era where we lived and died for BET music videos and okay. and MTV music videos. So. Somebody called out in the Tupac I Get Around video, which I Get Around is one of my favorite Tupac songs. Like, I don't care. I'm an adult. I'm allowed to like things that are explicit. However, in the video, um, the girl, a girl is playing tennis, and while she's playing tennis, um, they pull her bikini top to the side while she's playing tennis, and everybody starts to laugh. That is an overt rape culture act, like right. uh, 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 action. Yeah. Um, it's sexual we are It's sexual assault. Like, we're so used to seeing that. We're so used to see throwing, you know, beer on women or champagne on women in the Big Pimpin' video. Like, we're used to seeing that. Going to... Uh, if we're at work and anybody's ever made a, con a a comment about how a female, you know, how a, a woman employee's, how tight her skirt is or how short her skirt is, if you've ever heard about that, like, that is... I've, I've, I've never heard it. You've never? Like, ever? I have. So... And I'm not even a man. And I've been I there, like... I haven't heard it said to a woman. Not to a woman, but behind her back. So that's so that's the other thing, right? And this is the conversation I was having at three percent, where 
and I was having this conversation with Goddess and Brittany Adams, who's also one of the panelists there, about this is some new shit for a lot of us. Like, it is. Like, I'm not we, because we, we were like we've been trained right. a certain way. Um, like I was supposed to be home and be quiet and and. My dad took me out a lot. My dad treated me like a, a boy, quite frankly, growing up. Like, I was his road dog just as much as my brother was. But where I was encouraged to be quiet and, like, keep your legs closed and don't bring home boyfriends, my brother was encouraged to bring home all the girls, run through them, can't wait for my son to be, like, a young strapping man like his father. Just bullshit, like... That's how my brother was raised. Thankfully, my brother's not as terrible as my dad was, but like that's how he was raised. So right. if my brother did come around and brought like four girls home and told us not to call them by their name because he can't keep their name straight, <laughs> I don't know how surprised I would be because that is the direction in which my father wanted my brother to 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 grow into. Right. So I, I and I think to like double back like. The, I guess we're, because we're, now we can kind of categorize the sexual harassment that happens in the workplace as what's said to women and what's said about women behind their backs. Um, so if we're talking about what's said about women, yeah, I've, I've definitely witnessed that um, at times, been a part of it. And that's also something that's, that, I, Kai, Kai just looked it up. wasn't about you. It so, wasn't about so, you. so here's the thing. I know a lot of women. And part of being around women, like one of my friends, uh, Shana, like she, she has like, she used to have the shop. Right. And I would get lunch on Sundays and like chill out in the shop and eat with her or whatever. Our homegirls would come in, they would be talking about whatever. And so one of the things that I've I've when we when we start talking about the conversations that happen behind a woman's back, I also draw parallels to the conversations that I hear other women having about men behind their back. And so it's to me it gets really blurry as to well what is considered sexual harassment if equal conversations are or or what is considered sexist or um, misogynistic if equally I guess um, explicit conversations happen between women behind a man's back so it's it's it gets it gets weird for me and where it's kind of like all right so where where do you where and how do you address it so one of the things that I was talking about with goddess was um, I was talking about being on a bus with 15 dudes and we were coming back from um, a race because uh, I run and after the race we all got hotel rooms to change and shower or whatever and race race culture um, is really weird where it's kind of like this own like little sub Thing where people from different states like they all whatever whatever so we're in the bus and the conversation was yo why did she invite me to her hotel room if she didn't want to smash 
She Oh my so, so, god. So, so. Because sometimes we just fucking want company. I actually had to have this conversation with a person. Just so, cause you <laughs> So And then there were other like and, and the dude was saying, Well, you know, yo, she well, yo, she had on sweats, like clearly no, she had on tights, like clearly she wanted to smash and like other dudes are chiming in. And so I was I was telling guys, I was like, Well, those are the moments where I realize like that's rape culture. Like, because the message that is being sent around the bus right. is you show up at a girl's house, she invites you over, she has on tights, she wants to smash. Right? What did Cindy say? Her comment was her comment spoke to that where it was how we talk about sex has to change right. in order for rape culture to have to change. And I feel like um one of the one of the the news um one of the things I was watching on the news today, I can't think of words. Uh, the reporter was basically like the difference, or sorry, the woman being interviewed was pretty much like, listen, no one's saying you can't talk about sex. No one's saying you can't fantasize. It's the idea of power that right. changes something from exploring your sexuality or exploring your feelings within your sexuality to rape if as a man or a woman you are using power like this is a way of you gaining power over someone or a way for you to oppress someone which is what gaining power over someone means then that should constitute as rape culture that should constitute as sexual harassment and I felt like it was in that moment listening to that that I was like I think I'm also starting to see where the line is being drawn in the blurry sand because yes it's okay I think it's totally fine to be like yes that person is to tell your friend yes that person is fine she is gorgeous he is gorgeous I like looking at this person oh my god I have a crush on that person I think that is fine and however uh detailed I guess you get is how detailed you get I do think when you're saying to your point you run you with your track homies <laughs> that somehow just because you come over my house you are now entitled to my body that to me is the rape culture right. saying yo i went over this woman's house and i'm really attracted to her and honestly i really do want to have sex with her is different than saying she owed me sex if i came to her house Right. Which is essentially what he was saying. And I think that that happens in the workplace also where power can also be I want to make you feel bad about a situation or I want to make you feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to call something out about your body or something out about your gender. Um, oh, you're she's being she's being she's being rude today. Or she's being bitchy today. Mm, she must be on her period. That's part of it. As somehow something so natural to me as my monthly cycle is now affecting you and how you get your work done. And that's my problem I need to deal with. That's a part of it too. And I feel like anytime that you ever heard that, that's a part of it. 
Right. So I guess for me, like, that's me telling you, you have experienced it. They've just been really sub- not so subtle yet subtle ways. We're, it, it's naturally to talk about women as if right. we're emotional, so you won't be able to get any work done. That's why she's not a good leader and throw it to the side. That's part of it. It's natural to say that because a woman has her period, you know, she's unclean. We don't really want her around, so we throw her to the side. It's also natural to be like, oh, she probably is just looking for a husband. That's why she dresses that way or wears makeup, and you just throw her to the side. Like Those, those are ways to rem- try to remove power from a woman. So I right. feel like anytime power is involved or the conversation of power is involved, that is when it goes from just talking about sex, which – in the privacy of your own conversations with your homies, cool. Consenting people that want to have that conversation, cool. In the context of the workplace at, at a, a damn round table during a meeting, not cool. It's not okay. I mean, that's that's, that's fair. Um, I don't know, like for, for, for me and um, just First of all, I've never, I don't think I've ever had conversations about this with other men until literally like the last four weeks <laughs> um, because it just wasn't something that we talked about. And I, and I think that also, you know, where I'm, my personal approach to just trying to be a better human in between my ratchet moments is to have more empathy, right? Right. And so that's gonna be important. I'm I'm I started looking at so actually here's 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 here was really a, a good turning point for me and it happened on this show where one of my biggest I guess um, perceptions of women was shaped around my mother and my grandmother and my aunts, which all black women Growing up, if anybody was gonna pop off in my family, like my father was very is very passive, very Gandhi-ish. All of those women, on the other hand, were about it, about it. Like mm-hmm. they would fight you, like they would stand up to men and be aggressive. And so I always looked at women and going, "Well, like my mama, like my grandma, like my auntie, strong." And that became my perception of black women in in general. But then when we were on the show that day with Nisha and she was talking about crying in the bathroom, that was kind of an eye-opening moment for me because I was kind of like, well, I think never seen my grandmother cry, never seen my aunt cry. So my mother cry like once and I just kind of wrote it off as, oh, we pissed her off really, really bad. She's in a mood, chopped it up to the game. But then when Nisha was talking about crying and she was contextualizing why she would cry um, at work, that kind of made me take a step back and go, all right, well, what is what exactly is going on here? So for me, I started to approach it the same way that I want white people to approach racism, right. which is you have a moment where someone says something and you realize that you are part of the problem. Um, and what you do once you realize that you're a part of the problem to me is what matters um, most because it's like, all right, cool. So she ta- she talks about um, being disregarded or people talking over her at work. And I'm like, well, shit, that's something that, you know, I do. Like, and you, you kind of just chop it up to the game is 
I'm really passionate in this moment. I want to get what I'm saying out of my head before I forget it. Um, but that for me was a turning point where I started to like, let me actually read, not X, because again, I'm trying to be very conscious of, of and I think part of when, we were, when we're talking about black people not wanting to answer questions, it's like, why do you want me to relive this bad shit <laughs> that plagues me when I'm having a good day? Leave me alone, let me be. So I started to read, and reading is kind of like reading firsthand accounts. And, and I think if you're a man and you're listening, you don't really have to look far. Go on Twitter, hashtag Black Women at Work. You are going to get some firsthand accounts of what black women go through. Um, go on MIC.com and you'll get the same thing. HuffPost, the same thing. And I think for me, that's kind of what's, what's starting to shape how I um, move a little bit differently in the workplace. But I think it's... I start out by saying that men have been historically trash. Um, and that's based off of when you, if you've ever listened to grandpas talk about sex and uncles, um, if that's how you were socialized, a lot of, and when I'm talking about those nuances, a lot of those nuances aren't going to be apparent. You're not going to see them as sexual harassment or um, sexism right off the bat because the shit that we grew up hearing and being taught you only contextualize sexual harassment as violence and 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 making an insults because that's what we're that's how we were socialized like we weren't socialized to think about the nuances we were socialized to be like if she's screaming if she's crying if she's fighting back that's when you're in the wrong, and I think right now, what where, where we where we are right now, especially with all of the stories that are coming into the light and people being very explicit about what they're experiencing, we're starting to realize like we've been taught wrong, right? And so now yeah. we need to be reprogrammed to understand that sexual assault and um, rape is more than just a woman crying. Or fighting back, that it doesn't look the way that we were taught right. it looks, and I, and I, and think I don't think it it doesn't have a look. Much like rape doesn't have a look as we, as we've learned with but that. Then, so, and to that point, a lot of us thought it did. Right, and, and I so, think I think what's happening right now is there is a new there's a consciousness that we are talking that we've been experiencing for the last few years. Um, and kind of like this is exciting for me to like be in a space where we can have these conversations because it is so uncomfortable. We talk about being comfortable being uncomfortable, but it's it would be nice to one day not have to be uncomfortable being a woman or having to be uncomfortable being black or having to be uncomfortable being uh, a woman that makes X amount of money uh, compared to her partners or uncomfortable being a man um, trying to tiptoe around women because you don't want them to feel away. So I'm just happy we've made it to this this point. I'm happy um, that there are people like those at the 3% Conference and 
you know, the, 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 the homies over at Borrowed Interest that, like, we can have honest conversations and discussions with each other. Um, I'm just ready to see change. And I think with sexual harassment and bro culture and rape culture, um, I think we need to continue to use these words because they make people feel bad. And when people uh, feel bad, they start to change because nobody really likes to feel bad. I mean, just call I, it what I, it and, is. And, and, I, and I, and to that point, like me, me feeling bad is, I guess it's it's changed how I react to it because there was a day when you basically called me sexist, and you have your moments. <laughs> um, and I remember, like, a lot of shit happens over G-Chat, and when it happens over G-Chat, it gives me a moment to be like, because the initial reaction is like, get the fuck out of here. But then when it happens over G-Chat, I can, like, look at it and be like, huh. And it was, I'm not going to go through the whole situation, but you basically said, well, would you say that if she was a man? Right. Because you, you asked, how do I tell my, co-work, my female coworker she's fucking up? Was like the fuck? Well, is she fucking up? Then tell her as she's fucking up. Cause but if she, it was a man, you would have just told him that he was fucking up. Right. And but it's but it's a whole other she, conversation. Before you, we go on for a whole other. No, 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 minutes. no, no. But I'm but what I'm what I'm saying is it's because you're talking about being uncomfortable. Right. And I'm saying well, how you react because right. the initial response could have been like, oh, get the fuck out of here. Like it it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But how you react, and I think this is this is one of the things that someone, or I guess whoever, needs to start talking about the reaction to how you react to feeling uncomfortable or feeling bad. Because this idea of uh, being a label defining you as a good person versus bad person is what generates that reaction where you just kind of want to dismiss what that person is saying where it's like a white person like you, you immediately talk about racism and it's just like no 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 I'm I'm a good person I feel like it's the same thing when you're talking about sexism and misogyny and and rape and all of these things where if you didn't know and someone calls you out on it what you do next is what's most important and I think that's a good starting point so everybody should get real comfortable and prepared to be uncomfortable in the next couple of months and years because what's going to be rising to the surface is going to make a lot of people uncomfortable because we've been socialized to be shit <laughs> like and so there are just going to be these moments where you're going to have to be uncomfortable and get and and take those uncomfortable moments and use them to become better people agreed i agree with all of that all right well, we will keep everybody posted on how things uh, move forward. So far, there hasn't been any uh, extreme backlash in advertising yet. I feel like it's only like a week or two away before people start calling out agency leads and creative directors and well. and whomever else. But... Um, yeah, the conversation isn't stopping. So, but we will because we're way over on time. Well, just before you done, Cindy uh, Gallup told anybody who has experienced sexual harassment in the workplace to hit her up. 
and I think you can DM her on Twitter or something of that nature, but she basically told anyone if you've ever experienced it and you want to talk about your story anonymously to hit her up. So you can find her on Twitter and tell her your story because I think part of what needs to happen is we need to hear more stories and understand how it how these issues show up in nuance in different ways depending on you know the context agreed you can also find us on twitter at s mix company um we're also on facebook at miss mix company podcast you can find us on our website mixcompanypodcast.com um and reach out to us via email at mixcompany@gmail.com. at gmail.com we will holler at all of you guys later it's been real